the Louisiana Swamplands. Out here, you're either lunch or you're enjoying it. Make sure you end up on top with the all-powerful lineup of Kia SUVs, like the Telluride, Sportage, and Sorento, equipped with available all-wheel drive, higher ground clearance, and the interior capacity to bring everything you need. So you'll always remain more than a gator's length ahead. Visit your local Kia dealer today to find your next adventure in our ever-capable lineup of SUVs. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start! Today I will talk about the questions that we need to answer before we do any single cell experiment. The answer to these questions will help us on planning it better. The first question is, what do you want to study? Heterogeneity? Check what cell types are constituting the biological tissue that you are studying. Lineage tracing? You have differentiated cells and you want to discover what cells give rise to those or the influence of external factors. Where, for example, if we treat the biological tissue with a drug or we put it under the UV light, we will see if this external factor is affecting in the same way all the cells or just the cell type. The second question will be, what biological information would you like to study? This answer will already point out what type of technology we need to use. In the case we want to study DNA, we have different options. For example, we can study mutations, polymorphisms, copy number variation, DNA methylation, chromatin accessibility. For this second question, there will be sub-questions. For example, you would like to study mutations, but would you like to find new ones or you would like to study specific mutations that were already described? In the first case, you will need to do a single-cell whole-genome approach where you check for all the genes to find new things. In the second case, that you know specific mutations that you would like to see or to study, you will need a target approach. In the case you would like to study copy number variation, the approach will be similar as for the mutations. Do you want to see general copy number variation or do you want to see specific genes? Because maybe there will be some people that don't know what means copy number variation, I will explain it very briefly. Our cells, normal cells, they have two copies of DNA for each gene. When there is alterations in the cells, normally cells related with disease, like for example cancer cells, we will have more copies of our genes or less copies. And this is called copy number variations. To study the enemethylation, and what is this? The enemethylation is the addition of a methyl group to certain bases of the DNA. The most studied and the most common is the methylation of the cytosines. So to study this, there are different protocols, but until today, at least that I'm aware, there is no commercial kit that is available on the market. What there is, is a commercial kit to see DNA alterations that we can modify to see also DNA methylation. But this I will talk in other episodes of this podcast. Concerned chromatin accessibility, and I explained what is this in the last episode. So if you didn't listen, go and listen to it. There are different options. There are already commercial available kits in the market. And here we will have to do a single cell attack seek approach. 
If your answer for this second question is RNA, there will also be sub-questions. What you would like to study? General gene expression, so messenger RNA, or you would like to see certain isoforms, or you can even want to study non-coding RNA. In the case you would like to study gene expression, I'm RNA, here the best approach will be a tree prime RNA sequencing approach unless you are interested in the receptors of B or T cells. And here you will need to do a 5' mRNA approach. In the case you want to study isoforms, in my opinion, what you should use is an approach that allows you to sequence the full transcript, so the entire molecule of mRNA, not only the 3' region or the 5' region of your transcript. No, you should sequence the full molecule, the full transcript. It is true that nowadays, some tree prime mRNA sequencing approaches can be adapted to get us the information of isoforms. But again, in my opinion, it's not the ideal. Concerned non-coding RNAs, there are different protocols out there, but again, I don't know about any that is commercialized. The biological molecules that we missed to talk about until now are proteins. What about if you want to study proteins at single cell level? There are different options, but this kind of technology still needs some development because the protocols concerning study of proteins are a little bit more difficult to implement to optimize. At the end of the day, as any protocol that we use to study proteins, it will depend on the antibody. It will depend on the amount of protein that is being expressed and if there is a way to detect that protein. I will just mention some options for you to have an idea, but we can do Western blots at single cell level. Of course, here is not really high throughput. You will not be able to see the expression of the protein in a lot of cells. Also, what we can do, and I'm sure that you heard about it, is fact sorting, flow cytometry, where we stain our cells with certain antibodies and then we will see what cells are expressing it. We can also use mass cytometry, like Cytof, or mass spectrometry. Other kind of approach that I consider a single cell approach since it gave us resolution at single cell level is the immune multiplex staining. This, let's say, that is immunofluorescence, but with a lot of antibodies. I will explain this technology in a future episode. For this second question, we can even have more answers. People that want to see DNA and RNA for the same cell, or RNA and protein, or even DNA, RNA, and protein all together. And these are the approaches that are called multiomics approaches. So depending what you want, the approaches or the technology to use will be different. I will not enter in detail now because otherwise it will be a little bit confusing. And again, I will explain this after. The third question in my checklist will be if you have preliminary data. This, for me, is a must-have. Why? Because it will give you an idea if your scientific theory has the possibility to be right or wrong. I will give an example. Let's say that your hypothesis is that a certain drug affects a specific gene, one gene, through a new pathway. Before doing a single cell, what I will expect is that you already did a Western blot, or in case you don't have a good antibody, a real-time PCR for this gene in treated and untreated samples. And you already saw that, yes, there is at least a change in the gene expression. So my advice is always for you to do a bulk experiment, experiments that are cheaper, 
to have an idea if your scientific hypothesis makes sense or not. This preliminary data, then they will be usable because it will give you more power at the hour of publishing. You don't have just the single cell experiment. You have some other experiments that are validating what you found in single cell. The next question will be, what type of sample do you have? It will be a liquid sample like blood or bone marrow, or it will be a solid sample like normal or diseased tissues, organoids, or maybe you can have a kind of sample that I call it hybrid sample that is in the middle, like adherent cell lines. Here it comes a sub-question, that is, how is your sample preserved? If it is preserved, maybe you will have a fresh sample. This is ideal. Why? Because every time that we use a preservation method independently of the method, we will stress the cells. So it's always better to have fresh samples, but most part of the times it is not possible. So for this sub-question, we can have different answers. We can have, as I mentioned, a fresh sample, or it can be cryopreserved, or snap-frozen, or fixed, for example, in methanol or ethanol. In the case we have fresh or cryopreserved samples, there is the possibility for us to isolate viable cells, cells that are alive. For the snap frozen or fixed samples, we will not have this possibility because our cells will be all dead. For the snap frozen samples, what we'll need to do is to isolate nuclei and work with that. And here we will do a single nuclei approach. The single cell nuclei experiments are also recommended for post-mortem material, material that comes from autopsies, or for tissues, fresh tissues, for which the dissociation is very difficult. For example, the brain tissue, if we want to study neurons, this is the recommendation, or also for fat tissue. The following question will be, how do you expect your sample to be? What does it mean? It means if you expect to have a big or low amount of sample material, if you expect the quality to be good or you expect your tissue to have a lot of necrotic cells, dead cells, you expect your sample to be heterogeneous, meaning that there will be a lot of different cell types or not or more homogeneous. Also the cell viability, again, do you expect that the quality of your sample will be good or not? And uh, do you have an idea of the amount of cells that you will be able to get at the end after, in the case of a solid tissue, after dissociation? Why is this important? Because for a successful single cell experiment, we need happy individual cells in suspension. We should have a cell suspension where the cells are not clumping together. They are very well individualized with minimal debris, 90% of viability. This is something that is very, very difficult to get. If you have between 70 to 90% of viability, your sample is good. Three questions are missing for the end of this episode. At this point, you will already have an idea of the type of protocol or technology that you will need to use for your project. A crucial part of a single cell experiment is the sample preparation. And this, it will be what will take more time for you to optimize. So my question for you is, do you already have the sample preparation protocol optimized? If you don't have, do you know what places you can go and check for protocols? Check protocols.io or you can check PubMed for publications or BioArchive, ResearchGate. In all these places, you will find different protocols. But again, it's essential for you to optimize the protocol for your type of samples because we know that small things that can change from one lab to the other can make a huge difference. So we always need to optimize protocols in our lab and with our ends. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. The next one is if you have someone that will analyze your data. This person needs to be someone that is used to analyze single-cell data. Ideally, it should be someone that is used to analyze the data of the type of experiment that you are doing meaning that is not the same to analyze a single-cell RNA-seq experiment than analyzing a single-cell attack-seq experiment. They are different, so pay attention to that. It is true that if you are using a commercial available option, a kit, the companies will offer you a pipeline or a program where you can do the first analysis. But again, is the first analysis. You will need to do a deep analysis, and for that you will need someone that really knows about single-cell data analysis. And the final question is, what budget do you have for your single cell experiments? Maybe this should be the first question, but well, I suppose that when you start thinking about a single cell experiment, you have a certain budget. Why do I ask this? Because depending on this will depend the amount of samples that you will be able to do. Also, there are certain options to reduce a little bit the cost of the experiments. So this is something that you really need to keep in your mind and ask for this information, the cost per sample. So this is everything for today. I know that it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially if you are new to this field. Thinking about it, I prepared a PDF that is my checklist with all the questions that I mentioned here and you can download it. I will leave the link. Also, all the information of this episode plus the link with a checklist will be on this week's blog post. So if you didn't subscribe yet to the blog, do it. It's free. And something that I want to mention is that you don't need to answer these questions in this order. You can change the order. The important thing is to answer. Besides, there will be more questions that you will need to answer. And these will come up when you are discussing your project. But it will be more specific questions. Today, I just want you to give an idea of the main points that we need to consider when we are planning to do a single cell experiment. Thank you so much for listening to one more episode and see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at Single Cell World or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode.